0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see Welcome to Home Group. This is Tuesday night. And boy, are we having a good time in these Home Groups where we're talking about foundations of faith. And before I forget, why don't you just go to renner.org right now to download your study guide. It's 10 Lessons. Denise these study guides are amazing
1: they're awesome, and Rick, I think that when you have this study guide, to me, it's like like going in to a a banquet table and that and you're like a connoisseur of good food, and you just taste and taste and taste of this good food. I just think it's excellent. Well,
0: thank you, sweetheart. I really put a lot into this.
1: I know you do. And not
0: just me, but I have a whole team who helps me edit it.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
0: it's, it's such an amazing gift. It's free. And actually, if you go to Renner.org, you're going to find out there's a lot of study guides. Ay, ay, aye. It's just amazing what is there for you. And this comes with a series which is called Foundations of Faith, What You Need to Know to Become a Mature Believer. It's 10 parts. It comes in all kinds of formats. And the back of this series says, Are you a spiritual infant, teenager, or adult? That's an important question. Because infants and teenagers and adults, they don't do the same things. They're all at different levels. Do you know your current level of maturity? How do you know you're a mature adult, a spiritual infant, or something in between? How can you determine your level of spiritual growth? Many Christians remain spiritual toddlers their entire lives. Isn't that the truth? But that is not God's will for you. God has a marvelous plan. He wants you to step into it. But you have to get out of spiritual kindergarten and move up step by step spiritually. And that's why I want you to have this series. I'm going to tell you the truth. People usually don't go nuts over this kinds of series. People want to buy something on spiritual warfare or healing or how to be blessed. All of that is awesome. Please get it all. You need it all. But it's amazing. People want to skip the important things. And when you skip the important things, you get in trouble. And there are foundational things you need to have in your life. And you need to know them, my friends. You need to be able to pass a doctrine test on the six most important doctrines of the Christian faith, which are listed in Hebrews chapter six. We're going to get there in just a minute. Anyway, order yours. And right now, we're also offering sparkling gems from the Greek. And that's the last time this week we're offering it, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, volume one and volume two. Amen.
1: I love them.
0: But tonight, Denise is going to read from Hebrews chapter six, <laughs> verses one and two. So Denise,
1: take it. Okay. I'm Reading from the new King James
0: therefore why do you use the new king James why uh-huh I love it why don't you use the king james
1: well the the new King James just takes out the thous and the shall's.
0: okay, go ahead okay. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection
0: and what does perfection mean? maturity. It means to graduate from one level to the next, but you can't go to first grade until you complete <clears throat> kindergarten. So you can't skip any phase along the way. Okay, go ahead.
1: You can't skip.
0: Nope.
1: No skipping.
0: No skipping. You have got to get the ABCs and here they are.
1: Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So that's the first one. And of faith toward God.
0: That's number two.
1: Of the doctrine of baptisms. Number three. Of laying on of hands. Number four. Of resurrection of the dead.
0: Number five.
1: And of eternal judgment.
0: Number six. So let's review these again. Doctrine number one, part of your ABCs Hmm. that you have to know is repentance from dead works. Let me just tell you, friends, if you didn't repent when you got saved, you never got saved. You're just faked out. You may have faked yourself out. But if you didn't come to Christ with repentance, you're not even saved. That's why you need to understand repentance from dead works. And being repentant and being regretful is not the same thing. People are really confused about that. That's why you need to understand what is repentance. Number two, faith toward God. And we already saw that in Greek it is the word pistis, the word faith carries the idea of something projecting forward, which means there's no self-reliance or self-dependence. Faith toward God, the word toward in Greek is the word epi means upon. It is faith projecting forward, away from yourself, toward God, epi, leaning entirely upon him, not upon anything else, no works, no good deeds, nothing else, nothing I've done. I'm totally dependent upon the work of the cross for my salvation. And if you depend on anything else for your salvation. The Bible says you're not safe. Next, the doctrine of baptisms, which is plural, because in the New Testament there are three baptisms. There's one most important. That's why Ephesians 4 verse 5 says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's not a conflict. There's really two more, but one most important. You need to listen to that. You can go back to the archives or order the series. Then number four, we saw the laying on of hands. That is still amazing to me, Denise. It is me. Because it's so accessible to everybody. They don't do it. Often they don't. And because it's so accessible, they think it's not important. It's listed here as one of the most important doctrines. It's because all of us could be in the ministry if we have hands.
1: Well, and it shows the heart of God that he wants. He used something so simple as hands.
0: A grandmother has
1: hands. To deposit his kingdom to other people. I mean, it's so it, it shows His mercy and His love and His kindness that He wants to use us to bring forth His healing power, His delivering power, His loving power through our hands.
0: Well, then we saw last night, there's one more, and it is the resurrection of the dead. And we saw from John 5, verse 29, Jesus Himself said, the righteous are going to be raised in one resurrection to life. But the unrighteous are going to be raised in a different resurrection to damnation.
1: And Rick, when you, we talked about that, if that was yesterday. Mm-hmm. When we talked about that yesterday, I thought, oh, we need to hear these things because we need to be aware that people are going to hell. Hell is a real place. And judgment is real.
0: Now wait a minute. We're living in a day when nobody wants to pay consequences for what they do. Everybody wants to believe somehow they're gonna be able to circumvent judgment or punishment and forgive me for using this illustration but even recently when all these rioters had been destroying buildings, well it was decided that it will just be reparations that they deserved all those things because They had been ill-treated in the past. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to punish them. And they're just escaping judgment. My friends, you might escape a few things here, but there's one judgment you're never going to escape. And by the way, if you have children or grandchildren, it's good for you to teach them judgment and hold them to accountability. It's important for them. It will make them behave more maturely, and it will teach them about a future judgment. And the Bible tells us in the future of every single person, there is a judgment. doesn't matter whether you're saved or unsaved, you're going to be resurrected. We saw that last night. Everyone who has ever lived is going to be resurrected. Denise, that means Nimrod from the Old Testament. Abraham, Lot, the Sodomites, the unrighteous and the godly, they're all going to be resurrected. There's no such thing as just passing or transitioning, as people say today, and that you just pass into oblivion. No, 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 no. God has never forgotten anything. He knows where every person is and where their remains are, whether they're in a grave, whether they're in the sea, whether they were burnt in fire, it's really no big deal to God. He's able to summon it all forth, and one day He will. Every single person is going to be called on the stage.
1: Powerful
0: is that amazing?
1: Powerful.
0: You can see why that's an important doctrine for us to understand.
1: Absolutely. There's
0: consequences to life. And if we want to have the right consequences, then we have to live right. We have to respond right. Those who don't know God or those who have do- disobeyed God, they're also going to be raised. It's going to be raised. It's going to be very sad. They're going to experience a judgment which we're going to talk about first.
1: Well, and Rick, we the righteous... We will stand before
0: the judgment seat seat of
1: Christ. Hold
0: on, we're not there yet. Let's do one thing at a time. Okay. All right, let's first of all talk about the great white throne judgment. Now, Denise, when I was a kid, I got really confused about these judgments. I kind of mixed them all up as one. And we often talked about standing before Christ and being judged for all of our sins. That's nonsense. If you stand before Christ, you're not going to be judged for your sin. You're going to be judged, but not for sin. I'll get to that in just a moment. But the white throne judgment happens at the very end of the millennial reign. That's a thousand years after the rapture. Why? Why does it happen then? Because even during the millennium, it's hard to believe there will be people who do not receive Jesus. There'll be people who do. And there'll be people in the millennial reign, they live, they're born, they die, and they never receive Jesus. And when you come at the end of the millennial reign, the devil's released to try the nations, and there's a rebellion among the nations after they have been with Jesus for a thousand years reigning in Jerusalem. So when you get all the way to the end of the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign, that's when we really know about those who died unrighteous. It's going to take another thousand years. Isn't that amazing? God is very patient. He's so patient. And they're going to be raised at the end of the millennial reign. And this is listed in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Let's read them. If you don't have your Bible, I want you to listen very careful. Here is part of eternal judgment that the Bible says you need to know about. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, and from whose face... The earth and the heaven fled away, Mm -hmm. and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, everybody, it's all-encompassing, stand before God. And look at this, the books were opened. It means there's books in heaven. And by the way, God doesn't even need a computer system. But this verse says He has books, great record-keeping in heaven. And another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the dead, the sea gave up the dead which was in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. In other words, it doesn't matter where you are, where the body is buried, where the body has been burned or sunk in the sea. God has the ability to call forth that body from every place, and he will. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, friends, if you don't believe in this, then you just don't believe. That's exactly what the Bible says. That is in the future, that that is not the judgment for people that are saved, or people that are in Christ. This is the judgment for the great and small whose names are not written in the book of life. And by the way, there's kind of a thought today that everybody's good and everybody's going to go to heaven. But this verse says there's a great number of people whose names are not written in the book of life and they're not going to go to heaven. Everybody's not going to go to heaven. Hell is a real place. Now, I realize you never hear anybody talk about hell anymore. But hell did not disappear. It did not evaporate. It is very real, my friends. And if your name is not written in the book of life, then you're going to go to hell. That's just a doctrine of the Bible. Isn't that just like having a dose of coffee to wake up a drunk? It's so sobering. But let's go on. This scripture says God has books, books for every person's life. And at this white throne judgment for the unrighteous, All of these books are going to be opened, and God's going to judge everyone according to their works, and whosoever's name is not written in the book of life is going to be cast into the lake of fire. But this white throne judgment that we're talking about is not for Christians. If you're a Christian, you will never stand before the great white throne, but your friends that are unsaved and your family that is unsaved, they will stand there. You might say, oh, this is too painful to hear. Listen, you can say it's too painful to hear, or you can take a wise approach, which is why I already have family members that died, they're unsaved, they're going to stand there. I'm going to do all I can to make sure no one else I know is going to stand there. It's time for you to do what you sang growing up. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. This is a God-given honor. It is a responsibility. Denise?
1: And you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to do that. And the love of God on the inside of you to compel you to do that. If we, just, <clears throat> if we just submit to the power of God that's inside of us, we say, God, give me an opportunity. God, put this on my heart. God, change me about the way that I look at my lost relatives. He's going he's gonna to do it. And we can be an instrument into bringing them out of damnation into life.
0: Now, if you know any preacher or any teacher who says, no one will stand before the great white throne judgment, that's a heretic. You're listening to a heretic. Turn the TV off. Get off that YouTube channel. That is just a heretic. But Christians are not going to stand before the great white throne judgment. Did you hear me clearly? Christians Christians will will not stand before the great white throne judgment. judgment. We're going to stand before a different place to be judged. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ if you're reading the King James Version. Let's look at it. But first of all, I want to tell you that when you as a Christian stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to be judged for sin. You're not. You're not going to be condemned for what you did that was wrong. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there's therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Furthermore, if you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you're only there because you're saved. Only saved people are going to stand there. And that means everything you did is under the blood. And Jesus is not going to pull stuff out of the blood and bring it up that he's already forgiven and covered. And Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, he has already removed it from you. God is not going to deal with you about things that are under the blood. That's why it's so important that you confess your sin. Get them under the blood because they will never come up again. Not even when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is such good news to me because when Denise and I were growing up, we heard preachers say, are you ready to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? He's going to show you a movie of all the horrible things you did in your life. No, that's the other judgment. That's the great white throne judgment for unbelievers. In Christ, he's not going to drag up what's under the blood. No. Then why are we standing there and why are we being judged? Well, let's see. In Romans 14 verse 10, Paul says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word stand, by the way, means to stand. Denise, listen to this. It does not mean to crawl or to grovel, which means the judgment seat of Christ is not a place of shame. We're not crawling before him. We're not groveling before him. We will stand upright. It is not a place of shame. And the word judgment seat is from the Greek word bima. The word bima is not even the word for a throne. It's a place of judgment, a judgment seat. And let me read to you from directly to my notes. <clears throat> it was a Greek word which describes a platform on which a judge or governor gave judgments or rewards. The word bima, this word, was taken from the ancient Greek games in which athletes competed for reward. As they competed... They were under, listen to this, Denise, they were under the careful scrutiny of the judge who watched to make sure every rule of the contest was obeyed. And if the games ended, the victors were brought to the platform, which was called the Bema. That's the word used here. The Bema was the place where the judge gave laurel crowns on the head to those who had fought well. And by using this word Bema, Paul depicts us believers as competitors in a spiritual contest in life. And just as victorious athletes appeared before the Bema to receive a physical reward, one day in the future, every one of us that call in the name of Jesus, we real born-again believers, will one day appear before Christ's Bema to receive an incorruptible spiritual reward. It will not be a place where losers are punished. Isn't that powerful? It will not be a place where believers are berated or where believers are shamed. It will be a place where all believers' works will be evaluated. And those who fought and competed well, those who competed according to the rules of the game, which is the Word of God and what God told you to do, they will be well rewarded. Romans 14, 12 continues to say, look at this. So then every one of us shall give account of himself. Every one of us, the Greek word hekistos, No one excluded. Everyone, it is all inclusive. If you are a child of God, you're going to stand before this place, not to be berated, not to be shamed, but to be rewarded on the basis of your actions in life. Just like the judge of the games with an eye of scrutiny watched how every athlete played, God is watching our lives. And if we've done what he's asked us to do, and if we've played according to the games of God's word, when we stand before his judgment seat, it's not going to be a place of condemnation. It's going to be a place of designation where he designates what kind of award we get or what kind of award we do not get. We're not going to be eliminated. The game's already over. If you're standing in front of the judgment seat of Christ, you're already in. You're already saved. You're already in heaven. Don't worry about that. It's just there it will be determined what you get next. Isn't that amazing? Then in 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul basically says the same thing again. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. (coughs) The word appear, by the way, is the Greek word phaneros, which describes something that becomes revealed, visible, or manifest, which means that will be a day of revelation. You might fake everybody else out in life, but when you stand before this place... It will be a day of revelation when it will be clear to you and clear to everybody else and clear to Christ how well you obeyed and what kind of reward you should be given. We will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the bema, this platform, a place of designation, that everyone, everyone, again, the Greek word, every single individual person without exception that is in Christ shall receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, which means our walk of faith will be clearly revealed when we stand in front of that place. Everyone, again, the Greek word hekastos, all-inclusive, no one excluded, every single believer, every single real genuine believer will appear before the beam of Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, you're going to stand before Him and you're going to give account. And the Bible then says to receive the things done in the body. The word receive, the Greek word "kamizo," which means to receive what is due or to receive what one has coming to Him. Isn't that amazing?
1: It's amazing. Now,
0: how does this doctrine affect my life? Why is this so important? Because it makes me have more responsible living. Not only that, my friends... That's not the end of the story. If you think all there is is this life and that's the end of the story, oh my goodness, it's time to adjust your thinking. What do you think we're going to do for eternity? Sit around and play harps? No, get rid of that idea. Sit on clouds? No, God never wastes time. God is expansive. There is more out there than your mind can begin to understand or mine. And the Bible says in the book of Daniel that eventually the saints are going to possess the universe. What we are doing now, this life now, qualifies us for what we're going to do beyond. It's not about now. It's about then. Of course, you need to be faithful now. But what you do now is qualifying you for what you're going to do all of eternity. You want to be bored, just sit around playing harps? Or do you want something magnificent to be entrusted to you? This is all a period of qualification. You know, Denise, in our lives, I've been so serious about what God has called us to do, and so have you. We're both very serious about our calling. First of all, because we want to be obedient. That's really our hearts. Secondly, I've always known that one day I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not to be berated, but he'll deal with me about what I did or didn't, didn't do. It's not a question of salvation. We'll already be in heaven at that point. But our obedience is so important because it's going to determine all of eternity. Not salvation, activity. It's going to determine our activity for all of life. And so if you want your eternity to be filled with activity and greater responsibilities and adventure and excitement, then God has to find you faithful here. Yeah, you can get into heaven and do nothing. You know what my grandmother Renner said to me one time? You know what she said. I said, Grandma, you're such a blessing. She said, oh, Rick, I don't do anything. She said, I haven't done one thing for Jesus my entire life. She said, I'm washed in the blood. I know I'm going to heaven. I've just sit here. The only thing I do is pray. Well, number one, that's not nothing. That's a very big deal. But by her own lips, she said to me, I've never done a thing. Well, she's going to go to heaven because she's washed in the blood. But because she never did a thing, it means that her realm of responsibility in heaven is going to be very minimal. This is the way it is. Life is qualifying us for the next phase. And I don't know about you, Denise, but I don't want to sit around in heaven. I want to be beneficial. I want to be profitable to the Lord for eternity. And so it's very important that we qualify now because one of these days we're going to stand in front of this Bema seat where our futures are going to be determined as far as activity, not as far as salvation. If you're standing in front of the beam of Christ, you are already in. You're saved.
1: Well, I I want to do the best I can on this earth. and, But honestly, Rick, I, I can't get past just the moment of seeing Him, just the moment of worshiping Him. I can't, I can't get past that.
0: Well, it's going to all melt in His <laughs> presence. We're going to be so enamored when we look at oh His Oh, my gosh, eyes.
1: when we see Him.
0: But do you see how this teaching is very helpful? Yeah,
1: it's very, very helpful. And it's very sobering. And we need to be sobered by the Word of God and the realities, the truths of God's Word. And it's very...
0: You know, so many people are fixated on today. And a lot of the Bible teaching today is about how to have a good life now how to be healed now, how to be blessed now. All that's good. We need all of that. But it's not all about now. Everything now is about later.
1: Really, everything now is about eternity.
0: And so when you have this eternal viewpoint in your mind, you'll live your life different. And if you have unsaved family and friends, if you understand the great white throne judgment, you're going to pray for them to get saved and do something to make sure they make it into heaven they don't ever stand in front of that great white throne judgment. But we're out of time. This has really been good.
1: Really good.
0: When we come back tomorrow night, Denise and I are going to talk about how to have a heart transplant. Mm. If you feel like you've got a problem with your heart, you can have a heart transplant. It's going to be good tomorrow night. But please get the free download at runner.org, or call us 1-800-742-5593 for prayer Or write to us at prayer at runner.org. We'll write you back. Thanks for being with us tonight, home group. We'll see you tomorrow. We love you. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.